welcome to our Thursday conversation. My name is Samantha Beningo. I am the CEO and founder of Mind Movement. And today I have asked these two lovely ladies to join me to discuss uh, how to use the ancient wisdom of yoga to support us through this crisis, uh, mm. which certainly has been tremendously helpful to this point. So why don't we just go around? Maybe Molly, do you want to start with introductions? Sure. Hi. <laughs> okay. I'm Molly Bates. I am the clinical director and vice president at Mind Movement. I am a Kundalini yoga teacher and yoga therapist and a psychotherapist. And yeah, I'm glad awesome. to be here. Mm -hmm. And then Miss Angela. Hi, everyone. Second. I got to turn the volume up. Okay, go Hi ahead. Everyone. <laughs> I'm Angela. I am a uh, counselor, mental health counselor, and I'm also a yoga instructor with Mind Movement. That's me. Excited to have you guys with me today to talk about this. So I think most people, part of why I wanted to have this be one of our roundtable topics every week is most people think of yoga as a form of exercise. And obviously, you know, we are privileged to know that it's so much more than that. Um, and certainly as I became more and more familiar with, you know, the wisdom of yoga as one of our, or if not our most ancient um, religious teaching of some sort or, or, or um, wisdom tradition teaching, uh, there's so much helpful wisdom in it. And so I thought it would be maybe just helpful today to, you know, ask you guys as, as folks who use yoga day in and day out, both as a form of exercise and as a, as a, you know, wisdom tradition to help us day in and day out, and particularly at a time like this, to ask you what it is you do. And so Molly, I think, uh, just to give people a sense of what kundalini yoga is, how it may be different from other forms of yoga, uh, hatha mm -hmm. yoga, or um, the types of yoga that Angela and I are more familiar with and, and teach. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should just start with that. That could be a helpful starting point. Sure. So I, I, just a so little background. I found yoga early on in my recovery from drugs drug and alcohol. And so, you know, I had been practicing different forms of yoga for a long time prior to that, mostly for exercise, right? This kind of Bikram was, I've been practicing that for, you know, 15 years before I found Kundalini Yoga. And it was always described as a moving meditation. And so, you know, I thought that I was meditating and that I was, um, you know, I was certainly seeing physical benefits, um, and and there yeah, were there were a lot of benefits. But when I found Kundalini Yoga, that felt really nicely with sort of the program principles of prayer and meditation, um, of discipline, of having a structured daily discipline. So <clears throat> for me, it was a really nice tradition, and when when I, you know, first walked into my, my, my first Kundalini class, I was sort of like, really appalled. It was unlike anything I had ever seen, where people wear 
all white. They wear turbans. Most of it is sitting. You know, you don't even need a yoga mat. You can sit on your rug. Um, there's plenty of room and opportunity for props and, um, you know, lots of breaks. And even alignment isn't necessarily um, <clears throat> the focus. So it was, it was a totally, totally new world right? as opposed to a vinyasa yoga class or a flow yoga class or a power yoga class that a lot of people are, are, are introduced to in this world right now. So like if you go to core power or, you know, you're going to have weights and you're going to have heat and it's a, you know, it's a, a real, uh, your heart rate is going to elevate. So Kundalini yoga takes a completely different perspective and what it's really accentuating is a connection to mantra, uh, to breath, and to a, a spiritual practice and, and discipline. Mm -hmm. So many of the postures are done sitting, they're repetitive, um, they're a little funky, they're a little odd, they're a little weird. Um, and you know, for me at that time, I really sort of needed that perspective because I found that I was so uptight. I was so angry when I came in to this class and I was, I was mad. I was mad that it didn't look like all of my other yoga classes. Um, and so I really had to challenge myself to kind of let go, to have fun, to look silly, to be silly in my body. There's a lot of like Mm -hmm. dancing and kind of like you know these funny movements that we make and there's just an ease and a lightness to the community as well that is very counter New York City culture right like I go to my yoga class I've got an hour so the class is 45 minutes I check in I check out I go back to the office right the Kundalini community <laughs> is is very different you're lucky if a class starts on time it's an hour and a half we have tea and cookies afterwards so it's it's just um it's 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 a lifestyle it is not something i check in for and check out for so that really was integral to me in establishing this, this sort of this lifestyle practice that this is something that I do every single day. Mm -hmm. I participate in it actively mm -hmm. from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. So I hope that's a little helpful. Yeah, that's, that's really helpful. Uh, there's a lot that, you know, I think um, it's probably helpful to get into that you just mentioned. I think one of the biggest ways that Kundalini builds discipline, I think although the, the wisdom is really the same, it's sort of the method sure. of teaching that's very different. Mm -hmm. And so they, right, I mean, like the, the, the ideas of service and the ideas of discipline mm -hmm. and the ideas of, you know, commitment and, and sort of using breath to connect and using breath to endure. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I think one of the things that's so interesting about Kundalini, it's hard. It is hard, mm. you know, and <laughs> yoga is hard. Yoga is hard, right? I think most people think they're going to go to a yoga class and it's going to be like yoga, right? It's this idea, but yeah. then you get there and you're sitting in a chair pose for, you know, 15 breaths and you want to die because it's so hard. Yeah. So, 
I think it probably um, is comparable in that way, but right, completely different mm -hmm. community, completely different mm -hmm. expression. Um, yeah. And uh, really interesting practice and a mm -hmm. very big teacher, no question about it. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I wonder, so Angela, just speaking to yeah. your um, practice of yoga, maybe you can yeah. tell us a little bit about your interpretation um, and what your practice looks like. Yeah, yeah, so, so I, I started uh, at um, Jiva Mukti, <laughs> which, uh, you know, it was interesting because they did a lot of chanting in language that I didn't understand. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was my introduction into yoga, but there, there was still a certain curiosity about like, this is this is strange this is weird but what is this all about um and so you know I kept coming back and there was a spiritual aspect to it that Molly had mentioned um so you know I don't I don't know like that's how it, it started for me it was more of a, a curiosity about something that was like oh this is strange <laughs> um <laughs> Because it, but it was, it was the whole thing, right? It was, it was the Dharma talk or, you know, the kind of like what mm. happens outside of the yoga room off the mat, um, life lessons, how do we apply what we're doing here outside of the classroom? Mm. Um, you know, the singing in the, in the other language that I didn't understand. Like it was, it was also very um, comforting too. So mm. it was like strange and I was curious, but I was also comforted. Right. So I kept kind of, coming back to this place and um yeah that that's that's basically how the practice started for me and I would take time out of my nine to five day to make my 12 p.m yoga class <laughs> religiously <laughs> with my teacher um who you know people are like oh you're not going to go to the you know chopped or chipotle or what I'm like no I'm going to jeep mukti they're like what? <laughs> <laughs> what's that right so um that, that's that's how it, it started. And I think, you know, I was looking for something, right? I, I was going to yoga because I was looking for something. I didn't know what that was at that time. Um, but the practice and the whole the whole atmosphere, it, it, it drew me back every every day. Lunch break, 12 to 1.30, Angela's at Jiva Mukti, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, Yes, that's how it, that's how it kind of started for me, and then, you know, I, I think I take some of that, uh, what I learned there, and I try and bring it. You know, I teach at a lot of gyms and fitness studios, and 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 and, and that could be very weird and overwhelming, right? So I try and bring um, elements of that into my teaching slowly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think yoga very much does start as a form of exercise for a lot of us. I sort of, you know, gravitated to it for that reason, certainly. And then sort of felt like this is also giving me the body I want. Cool, right? <laughs> so it's sort of something I probably would do anyway, but the fact that I didn't have to go to a gym and sort of tolerate treadmills and elliptical machines anymore was an awesome benefit as well. It also reminded me of my dance practices as a kid. And so for me, it was really easy to just start going all the time. Um, 
sort of the same way that you guys are describing. There's some oddities about it, but then you're like, but I don't really care. I'm, I'm coming back. This is, there's something about this that's extremely helpful and beneficial. And then you do, I think you start to take it naturally into your life. You start to slow down, maybe you start to find yourself using the, the Ujjayi breath. If you're doing, um, you know, vinyasa yoga, so you start to use some of the breath techniques and you find yourself just doing that organically. <laughs> so I think there is like just this natural, if you're doing yoga long enough in terms of as a form of exercise where it does bleed into these other areas of your life without even really maybe doing very much actively to pursue that. But then I think there is this much richer piece that we really can use and whether we look at it as like a, a a spiritual connection to some kind of higher power that of your choosing or it's a a wisdom tradition a, a tradition grounded also in science i mean we have the science now to prove hmm. what it is that yoga gives us and teaches us is effective and so whether we look at it as, as just life lessons that are incredibly valuable to keep us happy and fulfilled and strong and healthy, um, or we look at it as a way to grow and enhance our spiritual relationship with whatever we believe, it, it, it can be all of those things. And so I wonder, Molly, if maybe you can start us off speaking to um, how you think of yoga as uh, a wisdom tradition, whether it's Kundalini or, or any other form, and then mm -hmm. beginning a conversation in, in how do we start to leverage that wisdom mm -hmm. to receive the benefit in our daily life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we touched on some of this on our, our last round table um, yeah. last week, but you know, the, the principles of yoga are universal principles. So you talked about service, right? That's just one of many. Um, there's certainly the community aspect, the brotherhood aspect, the, the um, living, you know, in alignment, living with integrity. Um, there's all of these, these principles, honesty, faith, right? Um, that are, are universal. And so, and, really just a, a lovely sort of structure of a way to move through you know the challenges and choices that we need to make on a daily basis so yoga gives us the tools and the technology to make to access right those choices so one thing that we do before every single kundalini class is we tune in and what are we tuning into and this is something i do every morning just to tune into my day to tune in my my sadhana which is a daily practice um and <clears throat> what we're tuning into we're, we're opening up a connection to our uh, the highest version of me right so and, and that's, that's, I think, part of this curiosity that we're all talking about once we get into the room and we notice, yeah, there's these weird sort of aspects that are unusual and different, um, but we feel better, right? We feel good. We feel comforted. Mm -hmm. We feel lighter. I mean, I go out onto the street, or I used to, right, um, after a Kundalini class, and 
I'm light as a kite, you know, I'm high, I am tripping on oxygen, right? And so <laughs> Kundalini in particular, because it doesn't necessarily spend as much time on alignment on the physical postures, what it does do is really bring your attention inward. And most of the practice is done with your eyes closed. Um, and mm. really, so what we're developing is the, the primary sort of practice is around breath and how can I manipulate my breath, right? And to find space in my brain, <laughs> to find a place of neutrality, to, in, in the, one of the, the terms that we use often is to raise my Kundalini energy and my Kundalini energy is my creative potential energy and when I can access that then I'm more likely to walk in you know the highest version of being today right who is my best self where is my best self am I walking towards that right or am I kind of walking away from that and so through different breath techniques, pranayama, but also these internal locks, these internal what we call bandhas, um, we we can really manipulate this energy. Um, we can hold it. We can contain it. We can. There's also so there's a, a, a very it's not just about containing right because we also need to learn how to let go and to discharge. So that's the the prana is our life force energy. <clears throat> The apna is the releasing or the letting go of that energy. So how and 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 that's what that's what yoga yoga does. It gives us these techniques. It gives us these technologies, very specific um, to achieve these sort of internal states that have these fantastic side effects, right? And that's what that's the that's what brings us back. We don't necessarily understand it, but we're experiencing it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah well said really well said uh i also just want to point out that with kundalini there are very specific postures that we use for different things so maybe we are strengthening our immune system today maybe we are working out liver stuff tomorrow maybe we are so just I think that's one of the beautiful things about Kundalini specifically is mm -hmm. you can use it for very specific, yeah. um, you said technology, but for to heal certain very yeah. specific, both mental and you know emotional, and then of course physical problems as well. Right, Kundalini believes that. It, I mean, it's all the same thing, right? right? So we're yes, the the kriyas are the sets, right? It's not ablet, it's not free flow right? There's, there's a script, right? Where we combine these various postures, these various breath techniques for very specific amounts of time to achieve certain results. And those can be, so Kundalini is really a combination of Chinese or Oriental medicine. So it works with the meridian system. It also works with its sister system, Ayurveda and the chakra system. So really combining these, it's really a combination of various different yogic disciplines um, to, <laughs> to, to give us very specific outcomes. So targeting certain, um, it, you know, our muscular system, our skeletal system, our endocrine system, which is our glandular system, which are critical right now. And, you know, it, one, uh, so 
for me today, especially in light of what we're going through, um, breath is is integral, right? We know that this virus it targets our respiratory system, and so and it it can clog um, and thicken the mucus. So, you know, as a yogi, it's it's it, you know this is what what we need to kind of tap into it's strengthening our circulatory system our lungs our lung capacity to keep a healthy sort of system in here and and there are very specific guidelines around how you know how to do that and mm -hmm. so that's what i've been sort of working on in the last few weeks in our um our regular kundalini class mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. super helpful yeah Angela, did you want to um, speak to that as well? So much. Um, where do I start? <laughs> well, just, um, you know, the sequencing of, of a yoga class, right? Naturally, kind of, we talked about blocks and being, you know, stuck and kind of unlocking that. So, you know, we do back bending before forward bending or um, there, there's a progression, right? So we kind of get get into the the physical body to then release certain things right twisting is good for detoxing or mm -hmm. um you know breathing doing a lot of hip work right because we hold tension in our hips for um with our relationships right whether they be personal or business or family or otherwise so you know this this kind of sequencing of a, of a yoga class mm -hmm. yeah. regardless of the discipline right it brings us mm -hmm. um that there's a commonality with it right and and we leave there and we feel like wow right i feel a little bit better i feel a little more like myself um i feel lighter right these are things students say to me too so it's like oh you know like this this works <laughs> as it is structured it it works right mm -hmm. um so you know in terms of the class bringing that bringing that kind of physical aspect of it out of us, right? And then, um, yeah, you touched on a lot of things. You touched on like principles about um, community, right? So how, when we start thinking about I am you and you are me and we're all connected, right? Mm -hmm. We're all one. Then how on a day-to-day -day basis when we walk out into the world, what does that look like? When I see you mm -hmm. on the street and I think you are me, I am you, right? How mm -hmm. do we how do we then interact with one another? Um, mm -hmm. Or just, just having this time to do this, this self-study and, and, and going inside, right? You talked about that. Um, when, when I do that work, then what do I have to offer and be of service to others? So that, you know, these larger principles outside of just the physical practice. Mm -hmm. uh, so much, <laughs> but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, first and foremost, yeah, I, I mean, why did I keep coming back? So I obviously, you know, I love hot yoga. And why did I go back every day for five years? Because I felt absolutely extraordinarily amazing. As hard as it was, I thought that I was going to die some days. Uh, mm -hmm. But it felt so good after that I didn't care what I had to endure to feel that. And as a, a good addict that I am, mm -hmm. I certainly was going to chase that. And there's probably, that was probably, you know, mm -hmm. from the start, a uh, foregone conclusion. So yeah, right. There's that, there's the benefit of no matter which of the disciplines I think you choose, 
you do leave that space feeling amazing and there's a discipline involved. And, and I think that is one of those critical components. You know, you guys mentioned service and community and connection, all of which is true connection to, you know, your fellow man connection to your true self, your true nature, the, the, the real you underneath all of the crazy chaotic thinking that especially in our achievement culture, we are so inundated and from very early on, we're so trained to, to chase, to chase stuff and to mm -hmm. climb, climb, climb. And, you know, we get our sense of self-worth and value from the external so much in this culture. And this is a practice that teaches you to let go of that, to let go, like don't sweat the small shit, right? That's a lot of what yoga teaches you too, and to let go and to endure but not to endure in that way where you're hanging on the whole time, you know, you're, you're letting go. It's like with every inhale and every exhale, you learn to relax. That's one of, I think, you know, Dana, a few weeks back, who we brought on as a guest, talked a lot about that idea that we release or that we let go. Um, that through the body, the physical practice, we train the mind. And so it also very much, uh, reiterates what we talk about at Mind Movement every day, which is that mm -hmm. the mind and body relationship, because, right, I mean, you're doing that physical stuff. You're, you know, trying to get into even a triangle pose, whether, right, in, in vinyasa or even in a, in a kundalini asana. I mean, I'll never forget, and I don't know what it's called. There's this one asana that I spoke, Justin came with me for this. We had to get into like a squat and then take our arms, wrap them around our ankles. So our entire arm, right? So fully like in a, you know, um, in a back bend or forward fold with a flat back with our arms. I mean, we were there for, I don't know, 13 minutes. It yeah. was insane. And I think we were singing and chanting and, mm -hmm. you know, in Sanskrit or, you know, and, and so and nobody knows what the hell they're singing. It's just you sing along and it's great. But it was freaking hard. So if you, if you, if with your breath, you tense, you know, a lot of us, when we breathe, we tense up uh, and that's our natural reaction to pain, whether it's emotional or physical pain, we, we tighten and yoga teaches you not to do that, to breathe into and to let go. So you're literally learning or building your tolerance for both psychological, mm -hmm. emotional, and physical pain in every single second, which of course, in a time like this, I mean, in a way, it sort of makes this look easy. And I don't mean to be dismissive of the difficulties that we're all experiencing right now. But these are this is like what it prepares you for, right? Mm -hmm. If you're doing yoga for any length of time, it does build your tolerance for struggle. And mm -hmm. not in a way where you're grinning and bearing it, in a way where you're letting go the whole time in some way in every moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, there's something in kundalini yoga called white tantric which is this very sort of extreme version of meditation for hours at a time during the day and there there are a few things that you mentioned sam one is that because the practice the discipline if you can if you devote yourself to it right daily right or as often as you can you start to become aware of these very subtle shifts in your body, right? Oh, I can go a little bit deeper into that, or oh, I'm a, you, it, it helped, it allows you to really develop a, more of a, 
relationship with your physical body. So mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I can see that I'm tight here today and I wasn't tight there yesterday. Or I can see that I was able to move my arm around my elbow just a centimeter more today. Or I can notice that I have more control over sort of my, inter my diaphragm and my navel point. And these muscles that we don't use during, you know, for as regular New Yorkers or people, right? So you start to become aware of these really subtle developments, these nuances. And how does that apply to life? Well, you know, you walk out on the street and you are more connected to your experience because you have access now to subtleties in your experience that you know, when you are living in this sort of go, 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 right? Like high sugar, like give me what I want all the time, right? You, it's, you're living in these sorts of extremes and you don't have access to these really subtle nuances throughout the course of our day, right? And those are really simple things. And so for me, you know, this practice has really expanded my capacity to, experience my life in a joyful connected meaningful way because mm. all of a sudden like you know you you find yourself like looking and lingering in ways and noting things that you just didn't have access to before yeah so there's that piece which is which is really just a you know a really lovely sort of you know, unfolding, you know, of, of your day, of your life. But there's also what you talked about is, you know, endurance and really being able to put, and so some, you know, endurance running or marathon running can sometimes it's compared to the kinds of meditation that I do in Kundalini because it is so incredibly painful. And when I say painful, or you said painful, you mentioned there's there's a psychological component, right? Yeah. And and you're in this battle, right, between the body and the brain, because the body is way stronger than we yes. think it is. And the brain wants to tell us, you can't do that anymore. You've got to sit down. You've got to go into child's pose. You've got to give up. You have reached your capacity, Molly. You are tapped out, right? But the body is going to hang in there, right? And so really sort of pushing, pushing, mm -hmm. pushing. I can, do, I can do this for another five seconds. I can do this for another 10 seconds. I can do this for another minute. And what is on the other side, right, of that kind of push or that wall Yes, is unexplainable, right? You cannot describe it. It's, you know, sitting in these postures that are, that are physically like, feel like torture, right? Because I can't, I can't breathe anymore. I can't sit up anymore. My body can't do it. These are the thoughts that are, are coming in. And this is really like, this is a practice for the thoughts that attack us every day when we're walking around, right? Like, well, I have this, you know, I've got to do later. I've got to do this, or I can't do this, or I should be doing this. It's a practice, right? On the mat, in the room to, <clears throat> to navigate these and say, yes, I can. How can I shift this? How can I shift this in my brain to get through this? Because I know, right, that if I do that, if I hang in, if I push, if I can get to the end of this, I mean, it's ecstasy on the other side. And then 
And then there's an allowing, there's an opening that washes over you, that consumes you. And all of a sudden it's like this, this is incredible expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's the space that we need to access in order to make change. <laughs> You got it. Very well said. <laughs> Correct. That's right. And that's, by the way, you hear it a lot in the world of fitness. You hear mm-hmm. your, if you've ever done work with a trainer, and I know I've heard Justin say it, you know, our, our director of movement there, you hear in fitness, like that's where the magic happens when you think you can't go any further. And then you go that five extra reps in any aspect where we are trying to make change. That's where the change happens. It's, it happens in those parts of us. We think we cannot you know, get to, or when we think we're at our breaking point, just a little bit more, a little bit further. Yeah. 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 Angela, did you want to um, comment on anything that Molly said? Sure. Um, So, you know, I think we talked about this in one of the other discussions, but there's this idea of discomfort and then pain, right? So it's like, Mm -hmm. if I kind of hang out in the discomfort, what 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 happens like i'm okay everything's fine right mm-hmm. and then what's on the other side as you mentioned and what does that teach me pain pain is different right we we don't want to practice yoga and be in pain right. but um in the discomfort we we often could be like i can't do this um you know i'm i'm done i need to take child's pose as you said but if we hang out there and change you know the thinking to well, what if I explore this a little bit? What if I breathe? What if I come out of it slightly? What if I, mm-hmm. you know, how can I adjust this to to just hang out here? And, and what's that like, right? And then, you know, taking that off the mat, how does that translate into life? <laughs> so often, you know, we're, um, we, we want to just escape any, any moment of, oh, I'm uncomfortable or, oh, I I can't have what I want right now, right? We're in New York, instant gratification, all this stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, how how does that translate then into the day-to-day of like, okay, (laughs) let me hang out here. Let me pause. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I think over time what develops is this resilience, this kind of, uh, you know, uh, grit or, determination or you know what like i'm okay <laughs> i i can be uncomfortable for mm-hmm. for a long time right we, we hold mm-hmm. postures for many many breaths and uh yeah. and then and then you also realize like i feel better going through it yes right as opposed to running away from it getting out of it quickly changing my pose <laughs> um but I've gone through it and I'm okay. And, and what did I learn as a result? What's on the other side, right? right. Uh, and then how does that serve us in moments like this? Right, yep. So. Yeah, that's a, that was my very first lesson in hot yoga. And the reason why I fell in love with heat was because it was such a profound teacher. From the very first moment, it was a, you know, a Bikram class. It was 100 and what, 10 degrees. It was 90 mm-hmm. minutes. It was absolutely freaking brutal and i right away got that if and i was in full nobody told me like somebody like a friend from work was like oh yeah come to this really fun yoga class it's like in the heat you know no did not tell me how hot it was did not tell me that it was going to be torture from every 
aspect and fiber of my being was like super like, you know, just blase. So I'm in full gear, like full pants and full like long sleeves, right? So <clears throat> about 10 minutes in though, I realized if I think about how hot I am and I look up at the clock or I don't even know if there was a clock, but if I think about, like you said, <laughs> trying to run away, get out of the pain, then I will be in torture. It is so torturous. They, they ask you not to leave, right? They ask you not to, to take sips of water or whatever else. So you're really like in there. And I think, you know, I realized right away, if I'm present and all I do is listen to the teacher and do exactly what they tell me to do. So if I'm really present in this moment, let all of that go, I get through it. And it feels much better. It's much easier than trying to escape, which is what I talk about metaphors for life. I mean, that is like, if there's not a lesson there, um, you know, trying to be in our past and future thinking, trying to be in that narrative, narrating voice to try to escape the, the, the challenges or the suffering that we feel does not work. So right in 12 step culture, there's that expression. The only way out is through certainly the only way out is through. And, and if nothing else, yoga definitely, I think, teaches us that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think we've brought up, you know, Sam, you and I are partial to more of these sorts of extreme kind of quote painful. And thank you, Angela, for, okay. you know, kind of breaking down the difference between pain and discomfort. Um, you know, coming from, and Sam, you know, you, you talk about yourself this way sometimes too, but this, you know, as a former, you know, addict and alcoholic, um, really sort of predisposed to these sorts of extreme natures. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, uh, Bikram <laughs> was so attractive yeah. to me. And I know a lot of, um, AAs in the rooms of, you know, Bikram and yoga, and, and there is a lot of overlap. Um, and so it's certainly not a unique experience to be kind of attracted to that kind of extreme exercise or discipline, right? Because it's, it's basically the same energy, um, mm -hmm. just being, you know, applied to this sort of like healthier sort of discipline, right? Um, or, or mindset, but what one of the things that was really important for me in my over the course of you know my yoga practice and and sort of uh, pursuit was I really had to learn what Angela is talking about, right? right? That there there is a balance here in yoga, and so the heat that you generate that fire energy, that yang energy, which is the primary kind of component of a hot yoga or a Bikram class, or even some of these like hit, like, yeah. you know, high um, core power kinds of, um, you know, yoga flow, power flow classes. There is a, you know, an opposite, which is just as important, if not more. For me, I learned that I had to access and learn and develop this other side, which is the yang energy, which is the cooling, calming. That is sort of the down-regulating, parasympathetic, rest, relax, really open, gentle, right? And for me, that was painful. Yeah. <laughs> 
I didn't want to um, open up and lie in these sort of uh, yang yoga um, or yin yoga, I'm sorry, yin yoga or restorative yoga um, is sort of the opposite to the, that these other sorts of fire breath and, you know, creating fire energy, yeah. creating sweat. And so it, again, yoga offers that, right? And that we need both in really learning yeah. how and in our daily in our daily life, what does that look like? So for me, you know, I I do my yang postures at the end of the night in order to prepare myself for rest, relaxation for bed. In the morning, I do more of these. Um, I'm sorry, did I? I, yeah, I do my, backwards. My yin. Yeah. I do more yin restorative, down regulating postures. Open these hip opening postures that you know. Um, uh, Angela mentioned, and in the morning, I like to create energy. I like to create fire, clarity, like focus. So that's that's how it's ended up working for me. But it took me a really long time to figure out there's there are these different components, and it's really about achieving balance. It's not this sort of, and, and so it's important just to kind of in this context, because totally, you know, you and I think are, are drawn to that. Um, sort of extreme um, a avenue that yoga does, um, you know, is is half of it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's only half. Right. Yes. Right. Important to mention, by the way, especially right now, all healing happens in rest. <laughs> like all healing happens in rest. So let me just. If you don't know that, you know it now, you will not repair your immune system in these stressed out, more activating, more sympathetic states. So that yin and restorative, as Molly pointed out, they're, they are essential, wouldn't even cover it. Cannot be overstated the importance of, and of course, difficulty for folks like you and I, certainly. Um, Angela, did you want to comment on anything Molly said? Yeah, sure. Um... Well, you know, so my background, like I grew up dancing as, as a child all the way through college. And um, it was always, you know, more practice. The more you do, the better you get more, more, more. Right. And, um, you know, so when I took my first yoga class, I, I said this before, I, I didn't like it. Right. Because it would it required me to slow down <laughs> and just be in a place and not, you know, do anything for 10 breaths and I was like, <laughs> what's going on? Mm -hmm. um, so I, yeah. And I think that's one of the things though. Yoga is whatever you, you need it to be, right? Some days you need to kind of slow down. You need to be gentle with yourself mm -hmm. and, and take a break from that intensity or that, you know, always trying to do more and more productive or yeah. rigid routines, you know, whatever it is like, it could be that too. It could be like a, all right, I need to step back today. I need to be kind to myself. I need to be gentle with my body. I need to just move in, in a way that feels good, but not, you know, not over the top. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, this, this idea that like slowing down is good. Rest is good. That is productive. To me, that was always counter Right. If I took a rest, a nap, forget it. <laughs> that was bad. I wasn't doing something. Right. I wasn't being productive in my day. Right. So changing this way of thinking too—that rest is good. 
slowing down is good. Having a balance, like you said, Molly, between um, pushing, but also pulling back and knowing when to do that and, and being enough in tune with who we are mm-hmm. to, to go back and forth between those two places. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, yeah. Well, and so just to point this out, this isn't, I mean, if you were an athlete and many athletes know this, obviously the first thing that your performance coach is going to tell you is to get sleep. It is a critical component, not just in the physical health, but also in the cognitive health. So we tend to, you know, there's a, a belief that the, the critical moment in our history, the most critical moment was the invention of the light bulb because now we had the ability to turn the lights on and that completely changes. Before that, it was you wake up with the sun and you go to sleep when the sun goes down. And it was this very organic right process to the to our inner clocks and you know and so when that when the light goes on and it stays on all night long you're basically like having the sun move into your home which also makes it harder for many of us to sleep in a regular way and so you're absolutely right it, it it's so important and so hard for us because it's counter to everything that we've been taught, um, but that's where the answers are. I mean, it's not just healthy. It's not just healthy to, to, to downregulate, to calm down. It is critical to every aspect of life fulfillment, to happiness. One other thing that I wanna make sure we talk about, Angela, you mentioned this before we hopped on, you know, yoga teaches you to hear your inner voice. And this is something Kylie talked about last week. It teaches you to hear your inner voice. And that's what we've been touching on this whole conversation. You, you hear your reaction to what the body is doing. And because you're slowing down, even in the vinyasa, you know, when you're creating heat or generating heat, when you're upregulating, you still are slowing down because you do, you have to stay in these postures and really listen to your cueing from your, if it's in a group class, from your group instructor. And so to get the posture right, because they're cueing you on how to step into these postures, you cannot have competing dialogue and stay with what your teacher is, is saying. So all of that gives you clarity and helps you to understand where your thinking is which is critical, right? For awareness is like, you know, fundamental in so many ways, but what it points out, our dependency on everything in our external environment that we use to mood regulate. So obviously Molly, you know, you and I in our history with substance abuse, addiction is very much about control. It's very much about controlling how you feel. So I can't control, like I'm walking into this party where I don't know anybody. I can't control that I feel anxious or I can't control everybody else, but I can control my anxiety. I can walk in, go right to the bar, do two shots of tequila. Woohoo, right? Then eventually I learn I can do two shots of tequila and take one of these and one of these, and now I feel even better. So it's all about controlling your reaction to things out of your control. And over time, of course, because of the body's, uh, how it adjusts to things, you become dependent on those things. So the, the challenge though is that's addiction, that's an extreme case. To me, it makes the most sense of any, anything in the world, obviously, but you know, like people do it all day long. We do it to regulate, we use TV to regulate, we use our phones to regulate, we use Instagram to regulate, we use food to regulate, we use other people to regulate. We do it all the time. And, that is hugely 
problematic in a million ways. In mind movement, we use the word victim mentality and not to say, you know, I feel bad for myself, but to say, you know, using conditions, being reliant, dependent on everything going my way all day long to feel okay. And that is the problem. When we use circumstances in our environment to feel okay, we can't win because you will never, there's no amount of circumstances that are going to make us feel better. It's not our design. And so when we become dependent on our environment being perfect every second of every day, perfect, in other words, in accordance with how we want it to be, we're, you know, we're dead in the water. What do we create? We create situations where if someone's walking slowly in front of us, we can't tolerate it. We can't sit through, you know, five seconds at a line at a grocery store. We basically just create a dependency on life going our way. And one of the things that yoga teaches us is to become aware of that and to begin to shift it, which is a critical skill. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, me, have control over that. So I can sit yeah. in meditation. I can sit and do some breath work and quickly come out of whatever uncomfortable feeling or, you know, seeing clients throughout the day, right? Like how do we absorb the energy from the people around us, from our environment, right? And if, and if that's anxiety ridden or fear ridden or really sad and grief ridden, right? Mm -hmm. We are sort of sponges. We are containers. So yoga gives us the pra a, a practice, a way to relinquish, discharge that energy to reset our nervous system and to say, no, I'm in charge of how I want to feel at this mm -hmm. time in this moment. So mm -hmm. when, when we do these things, you know, when we become dependent on the people on places on things to gratify us to satisfy us we are relinquishing our power yep. to have the experience that we want that i want to have i don't want to feel shitty anymore but i can't control like when i'm going to get out of here you know how long it's going to take you know if my groceries are going to show up on time like how long i'm going to be without you know toothpaste right that doesn't feel good. Those are all things that I used to be able to control. Okay, so how do I want to feel? Well, I can sit down. I can go within. I can connect to my breath. I can do some asanas, right? I have the power. Yoga gives us the power to reset and to choose how, how do I want to be? How do I want to feel? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, Angela, I want to turn you up. Yeah, uh, you know, now we're kind of in this situation, right? We're, we're being forced into this situation where, you know, we have to, we have to slow down to a point. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> I mean, there is, but that's also like waiting in line or, you know, it's, it's a whole production. Um, so, you know, when we're, we're, we're in this, we have, you know, so how, how can we, how can we make this an opportunity, like you're saying, to take back um, what, what, what can we get out of it? How can we benefit from it? You know, um, 
where, where is our power in this? And, you know, I don't necessarily know, but this is kind of the question, you know, on a day to day of like, all right, you know, now I'm feeling this way or that way. What, how can I shift this feeling? How can I, can I be grateful for certain things that I do have, right? I have a fridge full of food. I have a family. I have a beautiful baby, whatever the case may be. Um, how can I get out of this funk, right? That I'm so easily <laughs> able to go down. Um, and yeah, so, so, you know, in those quiet moments, how can I shift mm. my feeling, my perspective? And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, what's the story? What's the story I'm telling? I mean, you made it, I saw I was out yesterday. I had to wait in a line to get into one of the drugstores around here. And there was a guy absolutely losing his shit in front of me. And I mean, he was losing his shit. Just, we were, I, by the way, I was only there for maybe not even a half a minute before I saw this guy, you know, rolling his eyes. Oh, I have to wait here now. And, you know, just really like losing it. And I think it speaks to, certainly I identify with that. That was definitely me many, many years ago. And so, you know, and, and, and we all get like that in one way or another sometimes. But the problem is when we try to use force, you know, I think about relationships because this is the key place where I see it certainly come out in me still, why I'm not in one, um, because, you know, it's all about control. It's about, I need you to behave the way I want you to in order for me to feel okay, because I can't feel okay unless you take out the garbage when I want it taken out. And so when you're in a relationship, you have to contend with, you know, wait a minute, does this really matter to me? Like, like Sam, do you really care this much about the garbage being taken out the way you need it to be? I mean, is that really going to be like what holds you hostage, holds me hostage emotionally for the rest of this day, right? So I think we're also being confronted because we are home with whoever, whether it's a family member, whether it's a partner, whether it's our cat, our dog, you know, we are in this situation where we can't control other people. And that's a place where, you know, I think yoga and this tool learning, as Molly said, to sort of like control what we can, which Mm -hmm. is our reactions. How do I want to feel right now? And how do I use me, my, my breath, my internal, the story I'm telling, my focus to shift how I feel rather than force, rather than making you cooperate with me or moving, manipulating, like you said, places, you know, I'm going to move. Oh, the problem is New York City. I'm going to get out of New York and go upstate to my house in the country because that's going to make me feel better. Right. I mean, it's, you know, um, it's really looking at where you try to get your needs met and being able to make the adjustments so that the world is a place that you stop trying to manipulate because you can't win that way. You just, you you cannot win that way, guys. You cannot win that way. You can keep trying, you will fail. It is a losing battle, right? So let it go, let it go, right? Drop it, move on, breathe, do you, whatever, whatever slogans, whatever affirmations you need to say, Learning how to do that, which is an advanced skill, I think right now is probably, there probably couldn't be a better time, truly. Huh? <sighs> well, good note to end things on. Thanks, you guys. Always yeah. so helpful. It always reminds me. It's very grounding. Like, wow, yeah, okay. Super helpful during this time to be reminded of these things and be talking about them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Anybody, if you have questions, please feel free. Uh, you can jump on Zoom anytime and chat them to us, or you can email questions to info at mindmovement.com. And, you know, be safe. Um, hopefully these, these discussions help you to begin to develop a daily practice. We didn't get to that today, and maybe that's a conversation for next time. How do I build my daily practice to really help me optimize um, how I want to feel every day? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Be well. Stay safe.